Do you know what can happen if we get mesmerized with God? Uh, if we would get starstruck with God's presence, if we would look into his face, we would be so blinded by the glory of his presence, we wouldn't be able to see anything else. That's what worship is. Focused attention on Christ. We honor the presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. We just heard a dynamic word from the Lord. Let's give God praise for our bishop. Mighty God. Hallelujah. I know that was from the Lord. He said many things that the Lord had placed on our heart to say tonight. And uh, I don't have any better sense but to continue in the flow of what was sparked on tonight. And I'm going to continue in that flow. I'm not going to divert. I'm not going to detour. You know, there's something in a preacher that says, well, if he says something I was going to say, maybe I won't say mine. But in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Thank you, Bishop Aguirre. Thank you, Pastor Lopez, for this great invitation. I'm going to dispense with preliminaries, but I, I brought something from San Diego. And uh, this is an eagle, from one eagle to another eagle. I like hanging around eagles. You know, you can't soar with the eagles hanging with turkeys. We got some eagles up here. We're excited to be a part of, I believe, one of the greatest preaching conferences in the United States today. There is such a spirit here. I tell folks in San Diego, I said, listen, y'all need to come to this because everyone comes geeked up. And, and when there's fire in the pew, the pulpit can help but catch on fire. See, we've got it all wrong. We think the fire starts up here. But Peter didn't start preaching until they had a prayer meeting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is a place set aside for worship. And in a place set aside for worship, what do we do? We worship. We praise God. We shout. We laugh. We dance. In a beauty shop, you get your hair done. At Midas Muffler, you fix your muffler. At the Tide Depot, you change tires. What do you do in the house of God? You praise and worship. Hallelujah. Come on, let's be on this house with praise. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Every crevice, every corner of the house. Be exalted. Glory. 
I hope everyone brought a Bible tonight. I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Yes, I bring you greetings from San Diego, California. That's where people go who don't want to hazard their lives for the gospel. <laughs> As Bishop McGeary so eloquently said. Yes, we have to deal with a lot of things in San Diego. Shamu. The zoo. We're on the mission field for the Lord in San Diego. How many of you here from San Diego? Wave your hand. All right. God bless you. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. We're going to read a few verses from there. You know, uh, this church has gone high tech since I've been here. I, I just hope your computer man can keep up with me tonight. <laughs> Hebrews 5. It says, now we're going to just catch a, a flow here. We're going to jump right in, though, and... Let's look at verse 8. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. How many of y'all want some meat tonight? Do we have any spiritual vegetarians? <laughs> oh, I like my gospel soy. Tofu. Look at verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat, not tofu. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Lord, bless your word and bless us tonight. Inspire us, light us up. Holy Ghost, do a drive-by on us tonight. Wake us out of our sleep. Change us through the word of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Tonight, I come to preach to you from the message Grow up. I just want you to hit someone in the shoulder and say, grow up. Grow up. 
Hit him in the shoulder. It's time to grow up. Grow up in God. Quit sucking your spiritual thumb and grow up. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to stand for the rest of this sermon. If some of you want to stand with me, you're welcome to do so. But I feel inspired in my spirit. I have a word for the saints. I have a word to encourage pastors. When I come to conferences like this, I come to have my spiritual tank filled up. I don't come here to be robbed. I come here to be blessed. And I believe God has a word for us tonight. I truly believe that in this hour, we have crossed over, as it were, an imaginary line in God's divine timing for the end of this age. I believe we're living in the age and the dispensation of grace. God is being good to us in this hour. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. I'm so glad I'm living in the grace age. I'm blessed not because I'm good, not because I'm perfect, but because God is rich in grace. But I sense in my spirit that even in this grace age, we have crossed another line within this period of time. And I believe that the church must accept these three facts. One is that Jesus Christ's return is very imminent. Yes, we've been saying it for many years, but it's closer now than it's ever been. I truly believe in my spirit that our generation is going to have the honor of hearing the trumpet sound. Oh, I can feel it already. I used to want to live in Paul's time, and I used to want to be there when Peter walked in his shadow, healed folks, and, and I used to long for the time of G.T. Haywood. But my friends, I submit to you today, but that our hour is the hour that they all were looking forward to. Jesus Christ. He's returning soon. We have every reason to believe so. Number two, I believe we are living in Christianity's golden era. Listen, my friends, I believe this is the best of times for the church of the living God. In the tale of two cities, Charles Dickens wrote these famous words. It was the best of times and the worst of times. Yes, it is the worst of times in relationship to the immorality in this hour. It is the worst of times when you consider rampant crime and lawlessness. But I also believe it is the best of times. Why? Because the church is now coming into her full blossom and bloom and glory in this hour. Now, some of you don't understand that because you don't see anything happening in your neck of the woods. 
The United States is not the center of the universe. Just because it's not happening on your cul-de-sac doesn't mean God is not moving. God is saving souls in Latin America. Revival's breaking out in Ethiopia. God is pouring out his spirit behind the iron curtain. This is our hour. Come on, if you believe it, say yes. At one time in history, Pentecostalism was considered just a sect and a cult, if you please, and a little movement. But that movement has picked up momentum. And now there are more Pentecostals being born again than in any other religion. There are more tongue speakers in the world than there's ever been. This is our hour. There was a time when they couldn't even say apostolic. They say uh, 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 apostolic. Now they're actually using the term. See, Peter Wagner said that we have crossed into the new apostolic reformation. Now, these folks used to call us ignorant and crazy and emotionally centered. Now they've had to acknowledge there's something to this apostolic movement. We've tried to keep it down. We've tried to vilify it. We've tried to denigrate it, but you can't stop God. In the last days, I'll pour out. I'm glad I'm an apostolic. I don't just have signs. I've got the name. I've got authority. I've got the covenant. Lord, help us today. This is our finest hour. This is our golden era. Those that keep preaching revivals coming, you're late. Revivals here. I don't know what we're waiting on. We're waiting on something electric to happen. Smoke to roll into the temple. We have reached a point where folks are not waiting on us to witness to them. They're just jumping out of the water into the boat. Folks are being saved not because we're witnesses. They're just getting tired of waiting on us. So they're just coming in anyhow. This is our hour. We've got folks calling our church asking us to give them a home Bible study. Our saints are too slow in getting to them. So they're calling saying, will you come? This is our hour. And thirdly, I believe we must accept this fact that whatever we are going to do, we got to do it now. We don't have time to procrastinate. We got to move with urgency and haste. Because the days are evil. He said, redeem the time because the days are evil. Carpe diem, seize the day. Grab it by the throat.
Don't let any day go by without you fulfilling your purpose. And yet with all of that knowledge, what I've just said, there's still a lack of the display of God's power through us. You see, God ordained us for this hour and he equipped us in Acts 1 and 8. After that, the Holy Ghost has come. You shall receive dunamis. He said power, but the Greek context there is dunamis, which means miracle working ability. You will receive the ability to do mighty works. So for this hour, God has given us a power that is corollary with the need of this day. But I fear that what happens is that we have not grown up to the point that we understand how to use all of this power. It's like a little kid with a 357 Magnum in his hand. He'll take it and put it in his mouth. With all that power, unable to use it effectively. Our generation has enjoyed peace for over four decades. We have not been in a major world war since the 40s. We've had our skirmishes, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, but nothing like the world conflict that drew everyone into the, 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 the fear of perhaps annihilation. While peace is everyone's desire, I submit to you today that peace has some dangerous side effects. The peacetime generation is called the baby boomers. After World War II, the soldiers came home, had their bills, GI bills, and bought homes and had babies in record numbers. This generation we have on our hands, the baby boomers. Then after them, the baby busters. And then Generation X. We have been the recipients and the beneficiaries of peace more than previous generations. However, I submit to you that this generation that is comprised of the boomers and the busters and the Xers is probably the most unappreciative, unthankful, least resilient, pampered, lustful, and pleasure-driven above all previous generations. We, we've been a beneficiaries of peace and, and peace has a way of lulling you into sleep. Peace has a way of, of bringing a toxic fume. My God, of, of, of relaxing you and you lose your, your edge. You lose your ability to respond. So we, while we've had peace, we've also fell in a sleep. We become slovenly. The Great Depression in the World War One and Two, the threat of annihilation had a way of, of sobering our world. 
It made you grow up quickly. I'm from Ohio. And even growing up in Ohio, we had basement cellars. Why? Those cellars were, were remainders from the, the time and when, when the whole nation was afraid that we would be bombed at some moment and you had your cellar you could go into protect you from nuclear war. In the schools, children were taught to hide under the tables. They would go through drills just in case there was a bomb blast. But what has happened since now, the threat, it seems, of war is gone. We've fallen asleep. There's a carbon monoxide that's taken over our country. We've become so weak and pampered. People are so, so overly sensitive. A young lady wanted to sue a young fella because he told her he was going to take her to the prom. And, and he stood her up. And so because she spent money on her dress and on her corsage and on her hair, she sued him. You see how weak we've gotten? In the old days, you just tell your brothers to go beat him up. But now we're going to sue you. We got a weak world on our hands. A program like People's Court couldn't have existed in the 50s. Folks taking each other to court because some of their hair fell out when they used the perm in their hair and want to sue them. We've got a weak generation on our hands. And I dare submit to you today that what has happened in the world is being mirrored in the church. Much like Laodicea you notice in Revelation it talks about the churches in Asia Minor, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamos. But when he got to Laodicea, the church of the Laodiceans. My God, what was it about Laodicea? They were in Laodicea and they were of Laodicea. They were in the world and of the world. And so I believe what has happened in our hour is we've taken on the spirit of this age. What we have seen in this world, I see it in the church. I'm a Pentecostal of four generations, and I've seen many things. In the past three decades, the Christian faith has become, yes, more acceptable, widely accepted in society. It's all right to be a tongue speaker now. It's all right to wave your hand and go to church we become accepted to the masses and we have enjoyed a strange coexistence with the rise of gratuitous violence and immorality so while the church has become more accepted at the same time we're more accepted the rise of immorality has risen in phenomenal numbers gratuitous violence has been overwhelming while we've been accepted what has happened preacher let me tell you this the church never does good when we're accepted by the world listen to me the Roman emperors up through Diocletian kept the pressure kept the, the persecution against the church 
But when Constantine nationalized Christianity, the church lost its power. Everybody became a Christian. Everyone said that they loved Jesus. The ne'er-do-wells and rogues and criminals and politicians became Christians. What am I saying? While we've been more accepted, the world has kept on singing its own tune. While they said, go on and do your thing, they have kept up the speed of immorality being shown in the media on the billboards. It used to be these things were in the closet. But what used to be in the closet is now in the open. And our testimony that should be in the open is now in the closet. Come on here. So what has happened to the church? We have become very lax with the peace. We have then resulted in the church becoming a haven for the pampered, the oversensitive, the emotionally unstable, fickled, critical, nattering nabobs of negativism. The, the, the most negative bunch of Christians that this history of our times has ever experienced. Lord, help me today. And I'm here to sound the clarion call to this conference that it's time for us to grow up. Hit somebody and say, grow up. Listen to me. Our churches are bigger, but they're not stronger. We're richer, but not wiser. We're more affluent, but we're not anointed. We're talented, but we're not courageous. We're educated, but not consecrated. God wants this church to grow up. Come on, if you're willing to stand and grow up, it's time for us to take it by force. We need to get violence. I feel this thing. I feel this. Let me tell you, the first century church was an infant church. The first century church was a pilot project. And yet, it was full of mature believers, though an infant church. You see, persecution has a way of growing you up quick. Trouble will sober you up. Trouble is like a sobriety checkpoint. You going on thinking you got it going on and then boom. The first century church, Bishop McGeary talked about it. It was a church, though young, it was mature because of persecution. And when the church maintains its integrity and separation from the world, it is always stronger. But what we have is the cat and the dog eating out of the same bowl. If the cat and the dog are eating out of the same bowl, somebody lost their power. 
We are the dog. We should be putting a cat to flight. Don't blame the cat. Blame the dog. Come on here. I don't want this world comfortable with us around. There used to be a day and time when they would hide their wine bottles. When Reverend Jones walked down the street, they'd hide. How'd it do, Reb? Now he'll offer him some. I want them edgy on the job. When here come Miss Sanctified at the table, I want them to move over. Hallelujah. We can't say this around her. But you know what? They need you to be separated. Because when things go bad in their life, they want somebody who can get a hold of God. They want somebody who has touch with God. Come on with me. So you got to stay separated. They know all the other Christians who mess around with them. They may talk about you. They may laugh at you. But they will catch you at the water fountain and say, Hey, could you, could you say a little prayer for me? Y'all not hearing me. Me and my wife having trouble. Oh, oh, all of a sudden, Miss Sanctified is the one they want to pray for. Help me, Holy Ghost. Grow up. You ought to be able to pray for somebody. Quit having folks praying for you all the time. You ought to be able to pray for somebody else. Lord, help me. It's time to grow up. Some people trying to play it safe. Well, I don't want to get too spiritual because I don't want to stir the devil up. Listen here. It don't matter what you do. He's going to bust in your house. The first century has some tremendous, tremendous faith. Fox's Book of Martyrs, Hebrews 11, Chronicles. These many souls that gave their life for their faith. There was one Germanicus, a young man, but a true Christian. He was delivered to the wild beasts on account of his faith. He behaved with such astonishing courage that several pagans became, became converts because they saw his faith under fire. Polycarp, the venerable bishop of the church of Smyrna, hearing that persons were seeking for him escape but was discovered by a child. After he was apprehended, he said, could you give me at least an hour in prayer? And after he prayed with such fervency, the guards repented that had taken him captive. They brought him before the proconsul. The proconsul said to him, Polycarp, swear and I'll release you. Reproach Christ 
Polycarp answered, 80 and 6 years I have served the Lord and he has never wronged me. Lord have mercy. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? They put him at the stake to which he was only tied. Normally they would, they would nail you to the stake. But he assured them, you don't have to nail me. I'm not moving. When they started the flames, the flames encircled his body like an arch without touching him. It's as if the fire in him resisted the fires coming at him. And so the executioner, when he saw that the flames were arcing around him and not touching him, the executioner ordered him pierced with a sword. And when they pierced Polycarp with the sword, his blood gushed out that it put the fire out. I'm talking about people in the first century of this great church who gave their lives for this faith. The blood of the apostles was the seed for the church. When the ground soaked their blood up, it fertilized the church. Because they were mature in their faith, they were able to stand in the heat of battle. Let me tell this church today that we're going to have to stand for what we believe in. party we are dealing with a devil that has no mercy listen here we're dealing with an hour when they will rob a 7-eleven but they're not satisfied to rob it but they want to take the clerk set him on his knees and shoot him execution style that's the kind of hour we're living in you see, the devil has no mercy on human lives because he never died for one body. He has no mercy because he has never had a human life. He never lived in a human body. But Christ has compassion for us because he's lived in a body. He knows what it's like to hurt. Come on. Hey. Help me, Jesus. I feel this thing tonight. So you've got to grow up and fight him head on. Listen here, if you get depressed, let me tell you something. We need to be real about this thing. I'm not trying to give you some panacea, some spiritual sugar pill, some placebo of power. We need to recognize that there are hours and days when we feel whipped. 
Come on here. You ain't that deep. You feel depressed. You feel discouraged. But grow up. Here's what you do. Tell yourself I'm depressed. Go into your bedroom. Lock the door. And say I'm going to give myself 20 minutes to be depressed. Cry. Scream. Snot. Throw pillows. And walk out of there and say now come on devil. I'm ready to fight you. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to stay depressed for two weeks. I'm not going to stay down for five weeks. Come on. I'm grown up now. It's time to fight. It's time to grow up. Tell somebody, grow up. Hey! Straighten your hair up. Brush your teeth. Put your clothes on. And tell the devil, come on. I'm not going to stay depressed for more than 20 minutes. That's it. 20 minutes and that's it. Yes! I feel this thing. It's time to grow up. Hit somebody on the shoulder say, grow up. Uh-uh, don't do that. Hit them. You can take it. Listen to me. It's almost a shame. It's almost laughable. It's despicable for us when we have on the stage of history the names like Germanicus and Polycarp and Peter, Paul, who died for this thing, who were grown in their faith. And then we present our martyrs. Let me present some of our martyrs today. Brother Jimmy Smith quit coming to church because the pastor appointed someone else to lead the building committee. He's a martyr. Let me present some of our other martyrs. Billy Barty. He cussed out a saint because their child knocked his child over in the parking lot. He's a real martyr. Evelyn Sue backslid because none of the sisters gave her baby a shower for her eighth child. Oh, she's hurt. She's wounded. I can see her now standing next to Polycarp. You're suffering too. Larry Gary, he comes to church, but he badmouths the pastor and the church because the pastor says he can't date a new sister. Poor Larry. Barry Barrymore is at home hurting because the church wouldn't loan him $200 for his phone bill. 
it's despicable when we've got the record and account of those who were cut in half for this faith had their tongues pulled out had their babies taken out of their hands my God and given and fed to lions I think about brother Tecla Marion my God great revival great outpouring but but you got to remember also that they they came in and took his baby and tossed it over the second story of a building yes we want to do great things for God but we've got to grow up first that he wanted to elaborate on he said here about Jesus speaking of the priesthood of Christ trying to help these Hebrews Christians understand Jesus's connection to the priesthood and the right that he had as a priest he said though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered now watch this in being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek of whom we have many things to say thank you feel like I'm on NBC right now <laughs> we have many things to say but and hard to be uttered seeing ye are dull of hearing Paul took a detour and he brought up the name of this obscure figure in history he said Jesus was called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek not the Aaronic line of priests but Jesus came from the line of Melchizedek and I'm sure they were scratching their heads who in the world are you talking about Paul said, I would like to say a few things about Melchizedek, but I can't because you're still on milk. You could hear the frustration in his voice when he stopped and said, we have many things to say. Hard to be uttered. I can imagine that when Paul was taken to the third heaven, God began to give him understanding of some things that were hidden to time. God gave him some revelation. I believe when Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. I believe that was perhaps a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Paul said, I would like to elaborate on this Melchizedek. He had no beginning, no ending, no mother, no father. And he pops up on the scene of history and he blesses Abraham. Abraham pays ties to him before the law. Tell us some more about Melchizedek. I can't. You can't understand it. You can't appreciate it. There's lots of frustration in pulpits because when we should be able to deal with the mysteries of the word, 
we are dealing rather with the miseries of the church. You want to get your preacher frustrated, have him jump out in deep waters, find himself in Amos, and everyone sit down and say, what's he talking about? There was frustration. It's frustrating to the pulpit when gossip excites us more than gospel. There's so much God wants to reveal to us, but we've got to grow up so that we can handle all of the beautiful mysteries in God's word. It's not a mystery to those who will seek it out. How many want to eat some meat tonight? I said, how many want some meat tonight? Then you got to be willing to grow up in God. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm rushing to a close. I know you got to go to Denny's. We're not ready. We don't want this. Because we're already thinking about the Denny's burger and the combo. Paul, the Apostle Paul, harped on this theme of spiritual growth constantly. Growth and maturity. He would use the term perfection. When he actually was speaking of completeness. Maturity and development. You'll hear it in the, the words to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians of fourth chapter. Notice what he says in verse 10. He said, he that ascended is the same also that descended up far above all heavens. That he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Do you not know that your pastor is a gift to you? You might not like how he looks. He might be overweight. He might not be cute. But he's God's gift to the church. And you can't go to heaven without him. You might not like him, but he's going to help you make it in the rapture. Lord, have mercy. It's time to grow up. Help me, Holy Ghost. Quit judging your pastor by whether he got dimples or not. Whether he can dress nice or not. While we're sending all our money to these evangelists on television. Got all their videotapes. Let me tell you something. Kenneth Copeland don't even know your name. And when your baby ends up in jail, Kenneth ain't going to visit him. But one of these men will. One of these pastors is going to be praying for your marriage. Come on here. T.D. Jakes don't know your name. But this man knows your name. It's time to grow up. Grow up. He's God's gift to you. I don't care if he says this here and that there. As long as he's got anointing. 
he might not have been to college, but if he knows Jesus, that's good enough. It's time to grow up. Paul said he gave these fivefold for the perfecting of the saints. You can't get perfected without a preacher in your life. For the maturity of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Right now the body of Christ is getting one big edification this week. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. We've got to preach until you get mature. Until you develop. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Quit trying to measure yourself up against somebody else. Come on here. Turn your back to me. If I stand next to him, I feel pretty good. I got a couple inches on him, I think. What has happened? We have measured ourselves up against D-level Christians, though. C-level, F-grade Christians. Well, of course you look good. But try and measure yourself up against Christ and his stature. And the job of the preacher is to cause you to grow up till you measure up to Christ. It's time to grow up. Tell someone grow up. Why? That we henceforth, from this time forth, be no more children tossed to and fro, cared about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. We've got some David Copperfields in the pulpit. Houdini's in the pulpit that know with the slight of words how to hoodwink the church. Our job is to develop you so that you won't be moved. You won't bounce around. That you'll stand firm. When everyone else is leaving the church, you'll stand firm. When everyone else is backsliding, Lord have mercy. Grow up! Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, brethren, I couldn't even speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. But I fed you with milk and not meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, and neither are you now able. He equated the milk Christian. He equated the lack of spiritual growth to carnality. And that is what we have on our hands. A generation that should be on meat, that should be teaching the word, that should be setting up churches, that should be having home Bible studies. But instead, we've got to set up a nursery in the church. We've got to set up a spiritual daycare for all of our baby Hueys. Come on here. Paul said, 
you, you guys are weighing me down. I've got to do all this teaching. And many of you should be teaching. But you have need that somebody else teach you. It's time to grow up. When you go back to your city, you surprise your pastor. Give him a heart attack and tell him, I'm going to teach a Bible study. Pastor, I'm grown up. You don't have to call me every week to find out if I'm coming to church. Come here, sir. Help me here. I feel like using you tonight. Are you willing to be God's servant tonight? Are you grown up in God? Are you overly sensitive? We'll find out. There are a few things associated with babies. I'm almost done. Hold that. Show it to them. We got a few babies in the church. That's a bottle. Milk is for the unskillful in the word of righteousness. Watch this. Paul said it's for those that are unskillful in the word of righteousness. You see, eating and chewing and swallowing meat is a complex maneuver. You got to know how to work it on one side. And then when those teeth are tied, you put it on the other side. And then let it roll around the saliva and get a little softer and work it some more. A child don't know how to eat top sirloin steak. But somebody that's mature can handle big pieces of meat. Lord have mercy. Watch this. When you eat meat, you are eating the muscle of another animal. When you eat that meat, his muscle becomes your muscle. When you eat the word of God, the meat, you are eating God's muscle. You're not hearing me. I said when you eat the word, you're eating God's muscle. How do I know that? The Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power, it's the muscle. So when you eat God's word, you're eating God's muscle. Watch this. God created the worlds with his word. What would happen if you ate God's word? You want to grow in God, get some of God's muscle. God doesn't need a hand. God don't need feet. Lord have mercy. You know why? Because his word does what a hand does. His word ran swiftly. We need these things to do what we need to do. All God needs is word. Let there be whoo. Let there be whoo whoo. 
guess what'll happen if you eat that? You'll get woof and woof woof. Woof. You'll get strong. If you eat the meat, you're eating God's muscle. Paul said, I've never seen nothing like this. I've seen what education can do. But Paul was amazed at what the gospel could do. It didn't matter if the person preaching it was a backslidden preacher. He said the gospel is so powerful. It don't matter who speaks it. It's God's muscle. God is not trapped in a human body. God's word will do what it wants to do. It don't care who it comes through. It's powerful. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I wish this church would get stirred up and eat the muscle. I'm talking about dunamis. Power. Yes. It's the power of God. You are slain with the words of your mouth. You know why? Because I'm eating God's muscle. You see, people that are on milk, it's easy to swallow. Milk is easy. But when you're grown up in God, you can eat the meat, the stuff that is hard to swallow. It's hard for an immature believer to swallow standards of holiness. I just don't see it. Y'all don't want to hear this. But he said, he that is unskillful is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So you got those immature believers who fight on every issue. I just don't see it. It's hard to swallow holiness. It's hard to swallow righteousness. It's hard to swallow separation from the world. But a person that's grown up in God is not trying to find out how much they can do and still be saved. They're trying to stay as far away from the world as possible because I love God too much. That's a person who's grown up. It's not how much can I do and still be saved. Lord, I love you so much. Anything that hurts you hurts me. That's a mature believer. We got too many babies. You know why you're still on milk? You can't swallow it. But when you mature, you say, give me another piece of that meat. Give it to me straight. Hold up your bottle. Somebody in here still on the bottle. 
We got some folks that need to grow up. Here. Put that in your mouth. Turn around. Let them see you. Show everybody out here. Keep it in there till I say stop. We got too many church folk on pacifiers. Oh, help me now. You know what a pacifier does? It calms down crybabies. Some of us haven't grown up. If we don't get what we want, we pout. We quit. We quit coming to church. We get out of our auxiliary. A pacifier is letting someone do what they want to do and so they won't be offended. Lord have mercy. Look at this grown man. Got a job, a family, a wife and kids. He looks absurd with that thing in his mouth. Looks ridiculous. Big old grown man with gray in his hair. With a pacifier in his mouth. You think that looks absurd? What about when God looks at you? He says, wait a minute. You ought to be strong. You ought to be powerful. What are you doing with a pacifier in your mouth? You think that looks bad? How does it look to God when he sees you pouting? It's time to grow up. Somebody got a pacifier in the choir. Let me see if the Holy Ghost will reveal it, who it is. Somebody in the music department need a pacifier. They always let someone else sing songs. Chico's always leading the songs. I ain't going to touch that. That's absurd. And God's trying to destroy the works of the devil. But he first got to get our pacifiers out of our mouth. Oh, yeah, there's more stuff. This is a rattle. Hold that, baby. What's a rattle for? A rattle is a noisemaker. It's meant to keep those who are easily distracted occupied. Babies are easily bored. So they require something inane and flimsy to preoccupy them. Babies are bored with adult level activities. Lord help me. Give me that thing. Baby be looking all over the place and you got to stop and put this in his head. Come on. Come on. See. Look at this. Because he's easily distracted. It don't take much for the eyes to start wondering. So you always got to have a rattle for him. Y'all don't hear me. These are the saints that always got to have something going on to keep them on fire. 
There gotta be a concert. There's gotta be a revival. There's gotta be a inspiration because they're easily distracted. They get bored with prayer meeting. Oh, help me, Jesus. They get bored with Bible study. They get bored with Sunday school. They get bored with church service on Sunday night. These need a rattle. God's looking for somebody who'll meet him at the prayer room. Who'll meet him in the Sunday school. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. You need to get off the rattle. Lord, help me, Jesus. Never come back on Sunday night. Never hear when there's work to be done. But is Daryl Coley going to be singing? They'll be there. Lawrence Matthews is coming. Oh, it's NorCal again. Where were you when we had a study to teach folks how to give home Bible studies? Hello! We need some people that don't mind eating the cornbread and grits and collard greens and ham hocks of the world who don't need cotton candy and cracker jacks and sugar cookies. Oh, we need some people who are willing to eat the meat. Let's scare the devil and pack the church out for Bible study. Y'all don't want to hear this. This year, I'm speaking it. A Bible study at this church with this crowd. Oh, oh, excuse me. I got some babies choking. But I'm going to believe God that our Bible studies are going to fill up. Our Sunday schools are going to fill up. Our prayer meetings gonna be overflowing because we got some folks who love the meat. I believe in God for your Bible study. For your Bible study. This will be the small night. This is our small crowd. Folks that love the meat. They don't need a rattle to keep them preoccupied. Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Come on and clap your hands and say yes. Yeah. A mature believer don't need somebody to keep them happy. I've learned in serving God 
that I've got to keep myself happy. I've got to preach to myself. I've got to sing my own song. You don't want to hear this. Don't depend on anybody else. I don't need your rattle. I can create my own fire. Now that's growing up. That's growth. Oh, I'm not through. We got some other folks in the church. Babies. Hallelujah. They need a bib. You know why? Because they're not able to eat all the food. When a word comes forth, they end up wasting more than they eat. No matter how much good word we get, we live as if we're getting nothing. You know why? Because most of it gets wasted before it gets in the body. What are you talking about, preacher? The word gets wasted by letting some old negative carnal-minded saint mess with your mind after church. Getting on something carnal before you leave. And before you know it, the word done dribbled out of your mouth. All of this good word this week, every one of our cities should be on notice when we go back. Finally, I won't make you put that on. I'm maturing the Lord. Just hold it up. That is a diaper. Those in the church that need these are people who have no self-control. When the urge comes to do something evil, you just do it. You surrender to it without even resisting. When a baby's in a diaper, whenever the urge hits him, he just does it. And he don't care about the stink that he makes. Y'all don't want to hear this. But it's time to grow up and quit falling in the mess that you were in last year. Quit getting in the mess that you've been in for the last 30 years and get out of your diapers. Yeah, hey. A mature saint learns how to exercise their senses in matters pertaining to good and evil. You reach a point when you get mature, you just don't let mess go in your life. Lord, I feel this thing. Don't talk about that, saint, because if you do, you're going to see some mess. They don't have the ability to hold it in. I've got four children. Two of them are still young. 
When they got to go, they're doing all this. Because when they're young, it's hard for them to hold the urge. And many times before they make it to that room, they lost the power. But when you grow up, one of the things you get when you grow up is the ability to hold it. Y'all don't want to hear this. Hey! I remember when I was four years old and I just didn't want to hold it. I remember this like it was yesterday. One day I just let it go. I didn't want to hold it. My mother said, I'm sick and tired of this. She marched me to the commode, took my underwear off, and said, you clean it. So there I was at the commode. <laughs> you know what? That's the last time I messed up. I learned how to control it. When somebody talks about you, you ought to be grown up enough to hold the urge. Lord, have mercy. When the folks are lying on you, you ought to be grown up enough to hold on. Wow. When you see some sweet honey going down the street, brothers, you ought to hold on to your whistle. Y'all don't want to hear this. Hey! We need a church that's grown up. I'm telling you, the rubber meets the road. I had a guy come in my church. He was at the altar and he got up and, whoa! Connected on my jaw. Lord, have mercy. I'm so glad I was grown up in God. I didn't mess on myself, but I held the urge. Mm -hmm. Jesus held on when they slapped him. He held on when they, they pierced his side. They held on. He held on when they pierced his feet. Jesus said, I can hold my own. Can you? It's time to grow up. A sign that you know you've grown up. It's a good sign. When you, when you can, when you know how to take care of your mess. Lord have mercy. That's a sign that you've grown up. Let me tell you something. Even though we grow up, we still mess. We just know how to take care of our mess. Or some of y'all on depends. I don't know. Spiritually, that is. Listen to me. As a child of God, here's a sign that you're grown up. When you fail, when you slip, when you fall, when you stumble, Instead of wallowing in your mess. Instead of walking around with a dirty diaper. 
I know what to do with my mess now. I know how to repent. I know how to forsake. I know how to renounce it. And tell the devil, you can't have me. It's time to grow up. Take care of your mess. Run to the throne of grace. Hey! Don't wallow in self-pity. But grow up and confess your sin. The devil keeps the church paralyzed with condemnation. He keeps choir members paralyzed with shame. Lord have mercy. Keeps preachers muzzled with shame, with blackmail. We need to grow up in God and find out what it takes to clean it up. Lord, what I could do to clean this up? Because I'm tired of walking around with this thing on. I'm tired of the smell it's causing in my life. It's time to grow up in God. I want to release everyone right now. First of all, I want everyone where you are, I want you to confess to the Lord your sins. Right now, I want everyone to confess to the Lord your sins. Whatever they may be. It might be pride. It might be selfishness. It might be jealousy. Oh God. He labosota. He labosota. He kalabosota. He labokosanda. I release this church. Everyone that's here. Lord, give us spiritual growth here tonight. Shake someone. Cause someone to grow. Cause someone to grow up in you. We're tired of taking the devil's mess. We're tired of being swept under. He He Take your mess to the master. Hey! A true sign that you have grown up in God is when you can take care of somebody else. I want every believer to find a believer. And I want you to pray for them. I want you to grow up right now and learn how to intercede for your brother. Everyone find a believer and grow up in God. I want you to pray for somebody else. Quit being self-centered. Quit focusing on yourself. Lay your hands on their shoulder. Hold their hands. Brothers, get in a circle. I want you to pray for somebody else. It's time to grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Yes. Do a new thing in this life. New thing. New thing. Yes. 
come on believe God in the name of Jesus strengthen my brother strengthen my brother strengthen my brother strengthen him hallelujah